Welcome back and welcome to the interview portion of our storytelling program. Beth LaMontagne Hall is here with me for the interview portion of our program. It's really more of a conversation and thanks for joining our conversation, Beth. And first things first, I want to get this out of the way at the get-go. I've heard people refer to our programs as somehow being competitors. Long story short versus True Tales Live. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard this before, but we have heard it. And I can say without hesitation or reservation that we at True Tales Live don't feel that way, have never said anything like that, never would say anything like that because it's not something we believe. We are more like storytelling cousins or storytelling neighbors, and we're in this together. <clears throat> and I think the reason that this may have come to be is because we're going through a time of a highly competitive culture. We have this whole we versus you thing going on um, with winners and losers, and in order for me to win, you have to lose, or for you to win, I have to lose. Um, and sometimes, somehow, some people, some people bring that weird competitive attitude to storytelling. And as the old song has it, it ain't necessarily so, and it's certainly not necessarily, necessarily so for us. Um, we love what we do, and we're glad of it, and we imagine that you love what you do, and we are glad of it. There are certainly differences between True Tales Live and Long Story Short, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. But what we really share in common is a set of values, a kind of a similar vision and mission, and that is, at least that's what I think, to really bring to life and encourage storytelling throughout the entire Seacoast region, and in particular um, for us to encourage newbies, first-time storytellers, to really take a chance. We do that in different ways, I think, but as the years unfold in our separate ways, I think we're both going to continue to work towards that mission, um, and I look forward to that time. So, speaking of, as the years unfold, Beth, um, in September 2020 will be your fifth year anniversary. And as Pat mentioned, you moved here from Miami, uh, which it seems like quite a change to me. And then you founded this program, and I imagine that it's evolved over time. So tell us a little bit about that, about your move and how you came to found, long story short. Well, <coughs> I moved to the seacoast. I actually lived here as a kid and then I uh, ah. went to school in Florida and studied music. Uh, but while I was studying music, I realized that that's a terrible career. <laughs> and uh, I said, I know what I'll do. I'll be a writer. That will be a much better career. So I uh, kind of finished up writing and I moved up here and, um, you know, I I went back to school to become a writer, and um, that's kind of how I fell into storytelling. And I uh, did a little bit of storytelling. Uh, some people may remember A Winner's Tale that was at the Red Door uh, years ago. And then uh, when 3S opened, I wa ran into the executive director at the time, Chris, Chris Reiner. Right, Chris, right. And I <laughs> said, you know what you should do? You should have a storytelling event at 3S. It's such a great space for that. It's very intimate, and uh, I think it would be a great fit. And he said, good, come meet me, and you can help me do it. <laughs> so 
Um, Famous last words. Right. So, so basically, <laughs> he helped me get it started. And I'm forever grateful because I had never run an event before. I had never hosted anything before. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, but he helped me get it off the ground and like kind of taught me how to do some things and promote and that sort of thing. And uh, I mean, for the first year or two, there were shows where I didn't even know if like I would have enough storytellers to even do a show some nights. Um, but you know, the com the storytelling community is really great in the seacoast. And yes. you know, storytellers are really good at word of mouth, and um, people got to know. And then I got to know Pat and Amy, and we did a show together that right. was really great, <clears throat> where we were able to share each other's audiences and like pat pass that love back and forth. Um, and I feel like that uh, having that was a really important thing for my event because it just. Uh, it really helped uh, spread the word about what I was doing. And then the people who had been working with me um, had an opportunity to do workshops at True Tale, uh, with True Tales. And um, I feel like um, it's just a really great place to be a storyteller when you're on the seacoast. So say a little bit more about what motivates you in terms of storytelling, okay. if you would. Um, well, or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think that uh, for some people, storytelling is rooted in this uh, natural ability to BS in a way, <laughs> where you have to understand there are the facts, and then there are ways to decorate the facts to make them into a prettier story. And I think that that's kind of, I don't ever, I mean, it's funny because the story I told tonight is a lot about the truth and misconceptions and how that taught me the importance of honesty. But I think with storytelling, there is, um, when you're putting together how to tell the piece, you have to be able to identify what are those areas where um, I need to decorate it for the audience so that they can get the full picture of what I'm trying to tell them. Now, when you, a after you found, the, <clears throat> I think of you as being the sole proprietor, so to speak, of Long Story Short. Do you have other people who work with you? Do you edit? stories or do you make decisions about you must make decisions about who's going to be on how do you do that yeah so how, how do you produce a, a show um right now uh the way that long story short works is we decide at the beginning of well i guess it wouldn't be the beginning of the year um late summer we decide, all right, what are all the show's themes and dates going to be for 2020? And I sit down with 3S and we, we work on sort of the logistics of getting it set. And then um, I have a few friends who help me with a little bit of promotions or um, if I need, uh, somebody to help me with hosting or I have a, definitely a crew of people that I call upon uh, but for the most part I do a lot of it myself so I'm 
Um, I'm the person that you contact if you want to uh, get on the show. Right. <clears throat> and uh, like you were saying, I try to make it very clear that um, I want to know what your experience is, whether it be as an actor or a performer or a writer or even people who have careers in business or marketing and have had to give big presentations before. What is your experience preparing something for performance in front of others? So I'd like to know that. Uh, but I also like to tell everyone that does not, having none of that experience does not disqualify right, you right, right. from joining. Um, so I think that that's kind of the first step. And then um, if people have never done storytelling before, I'll often point them to the True Tale Lives workshops because. Send, <laughs> send them our way. <laughs> because I know these ladies and uh, they have a lot of skills and it's clear from all the people who have done the workshops that when you see them perform, um, they really get you in shape for being <laughs> on stage. So I'll t usually point people there. And then there are sometimes people who say, well, I." I have a pretty good idea of what my story needs to be, but I just have some questions. And then that's sort of where I come in and I say, all right. So you do some coaching. Well, I'll one do a little bit of coaching. One -on -one coaching. Um, but it's kind of crazy. The, there's, a, uh, there's such a diverse mix where there are some people who are very skilled writers who have been published in, you know, great publications or have their own books. And um, there are other people who um, have never written a word on paper unless they've absolutely had to. And um, it, none of those things I found are determining factors in how good of a storyteller you're going right. to be. Right. One of the things that we struggle with, and I imagine that you do too, um, is that not everybody who's a good writer is necessarily a good storyteller. And um, so we, we know some people who are very animated, they have, make great eye contact, they have terrific gestures, and there's really no story there. Mm -hmm. there. There are a series of anecdotes or interesting observations, um, essays sometimes, and uh, we try to say to people, it's not a TED talk, it's not a rant, it's not an essay. And um, sometimes that message doesn't quite get through. So my question to you is, how do you sort through that? I mean, it, it's the question that we ask ourselves all the time. How do we sort through that? How do we figure it out? Because there there's a craft of storytelling. And we always talk about the arc of the story. Uh, it's a very highly sophisticated idea that you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. True, <laughs> it's true. very, very tricky. This is just, you know, we're, we're giving all our secrets away right during this interview. <laughs> you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we say, <clears throat> to, you have, what, 15, 20 seconds, a half a minute to nail the opening so that you capture the audience. And you have to have, you know, your final paragraph that you close and nail the close so, because that's what people remember. And then the work is getting from the beginning to the end through a middle that's authentic and appropriate and where people have a sense that 
there's really something at stake here, that it makes a difference, that it's, this is, really was a first-person experience and you were fully in, involved in it and uh, it maybe changed your life, but in any case, the listeners know that there was something at stake and that's what drives this story forward, willingness on the part of the teller to be vulnerable. But we haven't figured out, so we want to know the answer from you here. How do you do that in advance? How do you sort through well, tellers? Well, I feel like the latter scenario of the person who has the anecdotes is almost an easier problem to solve than the writer who has his or her essay. Right. And I'll tell you why. Right. So the person who has the anecdotes is partway there. And oftentimes they've been to a storytelling event or they're familiar with the concept of it. They're just not fully understanding how what they're telling isn't what storytelling is. And Amen to that. So what I try so what I tell them is you have the elements there, but you need to find the thing that has changed. So um, sometimes it, it's almost always the person telling the story has changed. Right, right. Um, sometimes it's a, another person has changed through the actions of the storyteller, like there's a troubled relationship and that storyteller confronts the other. That can be um, the other has changed. Um, some of my favorite stories are um, ones where there's a conflict between two people and the storyteller changes in realizing that the other will never change. Um, I think those are some of my favorite stories. But there just has to always be that element of change or realization right. in there at some point. <clears throat> and then when you get to the person who is a writer, I think that it is very difficult for a writer to get off of the page. Yep. And at, at, yep. in the writing that I have done, uh, advice that you common he commonly hear as a writer is read your story aloud because that will help you um, see where the words aren't flowing together quite right. Um, you'll see where you're talking about something just for too long and you need to move on to the next thing. So um, I think that uh, helping a storyteller get off the page is uh, the best advice I would give to a writer. <clears throat> and related to that, one of the kind of my rules of thumb, maybe this is sort of fits with what you're talking about, is <clears throat> I try to write and speak the same way. So if I can't say a sentence on a single breath, the sentence is too long. So I try to breathe my writing, and that, to me, helps make it move out from being writing to being a story. One of the things that I think it's tough to do is to say no to a pen, to potential teller. Uh, in some respects, that's, there's a, at least one dimension where I think there's a little bit of difference. Um, we're not allowed to use George Carlin's seven deadly words. And it seems like, long story short, that's OK. Oh, no. <laughs> I sometimes get asked, is this a, a kid-friendly event? And it's absolutely not. Or sometimes. Someone will say, well, I do have a bit of adult language in my story. And I say, that's okay, because I am commonly using adult language just in 
the introducing of people or me screwing up or whatever. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's a place where uh, it's almost like, uh, it's so much more casual in that people are drinking right, and, right, yeah. um, you know, there's an intermission where people are up at the bar and mingling. And so it has a bit more of that atmosphere. So um, I feel like having it be a little bit looser in the rules in, as in terms of like restrictive language is fine by me. <clears throat> so it's almost like two different cultures, not utterly different, but have slightly different qualities. A long story short versus True Tales Live, a little bit. But so actually my question is, uh, what kinds of stories do you turn down? I mean, I think that there is an art and figuring out how to turn down someone is not the most uh, happy thing to have to do. But sometimes you, well, so I guess that's the question. <laughs> I'll figure out the question eventually, just stick in there. <laughs> so um, do you turn down, well, on what basis do you turn down stories? Or do you ever turn down stories? Or how do you make those well, calls? Well, often it is because um, there's one particular theme right. that is just more popular than the others. So once you get to a certain point where you've selected who you want to be on that one, you have to say no to the other ones. Um, I think that there are sometimes people who come from a place where they're trying to promote themselves. And it's not yeah, we've that. We've run into that. <laughs> it's yeah. not always that. And uh, I will, I have a great outlet for saying no in that I can say, well, you can always throw your name in the pink pumpkin, which is I have this slot, one, one slot in the show where I pick a name out of random and I don't know who that person is and they come up. So there's always that outlet where I'm like, well, you have a chance to do a story. You just have to throw your name in for chance. And uh, that kind of helps me smooth it over for, with anyone I have to say no to. So we're just about to the end of our time here. One of the things I do like to do is uh, ask our tellers, uh, if a newbie is thinking about telling a story, what's a quick tip or suggestion that you would make for someone who's just getting started? Well, besides doing a workshop, um, I Excellent recommendation. <laughs> it really does help you, and it's a very quick way of doing it. But um, practice on your friends. That was, that's the best advice I can give. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us in our you. conversation. This does bring us to the end of our conversation with Beth LaMontagne Hall. Again, thank you so much for your story, for our conversation, and for founding and pioneering Long Story Short. Authentic storytelling, we believe, builds bridges and creates and sustains a sense of community. We appreciate your work on what I regard as a shared mission, as I said before. So this brings us not only to the end of our conversation, but to the close of our program. Our thanks to the True Tales Live team, Sam Adams, Amy Antonucci, Steve Koval, John Lovering, and Pat Spaulding. And thanks to the entire PPM TV crew, Chad Cordner, Executive Director. Our next show, as Amy has mentioned, is two days before Thanksgiving on Tuesday, November 26th. Our theme will be the last straw, and I will be telling a story. <laughs> our next workshop is this coming Tuesday, November 5th, 
here from 7.30 to 9 p.m. If you are considering telling a story, we strongly encourage you to attend a workshop. But please know that telling a story at the workshop does not require you to tell a story on stage. Workshops are a great way to try out a story. They are free and they are fun. And you can sign up to, do, to join in the story, uh, truetaleslivenh1 at gmail.com. And to keep up with all things <coughs> True Tales Live, sign up for our excellent e-newsletter, True Tales Times, that tells of upcoming shows, workshops, and other events. And to sign up, go to truetaleslivenh.org. My name is David Frainer. November's story is two days before Thanksgiving, as I said, so mark the date on your calendar. Then come to see and hear the last show of this year so you can say that you saw the last straw. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs> Thank you so much. True Tales Live on PPM-TV is made possible through the generous support of Artists Collaborative Theatre of New England, Act One, presenting outstanding performances of stories with heart. For further information, contact 603-300-2986 or on the web at act1nh.org. With additional support from Pat Spaulding, who really wants to know, hey, what's your story?